Hello and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. It's been a while since I've had a new episode out, so I'm excited to be back with a new one today. This time I've been chatting to Gareth Green. Gareth is Ireland's number one wheelchair tennis player. He is currently ranked inside the top 100 in the world and his goal is to qualify for the Paris Paralympics in 2024. In this episode, we chat about how Gareth got into the sport, his journey to this point, including his his entry into, into the professional game and, and trying to qualify for previous Paralympics. We also touch on the state of wheelchair tennis uh, in Ireland at the moment and how it's changed over Gareth's time involved in the sport and also look at the state of wheelchair tennis around the world. I think it's a really interesting episode. It's great to hear about Gareth's journey. I think it's it's a, a really inspirational story. Um, and I definitely think this, that Gareth's making a difference in, in wheelchair tennis here in Ireland. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. And here is Gareth Green. All right, Gareth, just thanks very much for coming on the show. Uh, how are things with you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, and look, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be on your show. Um, things are going really well for me. Cheers. Uh, everything's gone in the right direction. So, um, yeah, it's been busy, but um, really rewarding. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. We'll definitely get into a bit about how you're doing at the moment on the court. I know you're playing a lot of tournaments and you're you're, you're back recently from one and, and back out again soon. So that's all all great. And we'll, we'll get into kind of talking about that. But I, just to start, I want to just get into how did you get into tennis? Because I know it wasn't as a kid for you. It was kind of a bit later. So how, how did that happen for you? Yeah, so uh, I'll give you the kind of the condensed story because I, I can tend to go on and off a lot about this. Um, <laughs> But uh, so basically I've been involved in sports all my life through Irish Wheelchair Association, which has been amazing for um, obviously people like me with disabilities and providing sports opportunities. So um, I've done pretty much uh, a lot of different types of sports like athletics and swimming and table tennis and stuff like that, which I loved all of them. But uh, basketball was the one sport that I did do consistently. So I think I was playing from about the age of nine or 10. Um, and I did that kind of like generally consistently up until the age <clears throat> maybe about 16 and then I stopped for a while but anyway I continued on into my 20s and then um, we were playing in the British League which is kind of quite high high level and then I had a friend who was a, a Canadian player who was living in Ireland and he had played tennis already and I've always loved tennis like from a kid like me and my sister used to play uh, on the street after watching Wimbledon and stuff like that you know um, so racket sports definitely um, like baseball and, and rounders and cricket and all that kind of thing we I was good at them, but never put two and two together playing in a chair in tennis, like on a tennis court. So, um, so then when I was about when I was twenty eight, uh, I finally gave in. He was pestering me to to go play with him in a carrot mine. So I had a wheelchair um, tennis session every Saturday during the kind of summer months, and um, I gave in and said, "Okay, I'll go." And after that, pretty much like I after that first session with with, with Pacro, uh, I gave up that I gave up basketball, um, okay. and I just said this is this is what I want to do. Um, it was just immediate. Um, I was playing in my basketball chair, um, and that was that was it. Like I, I was hooked immediately. So so that's when the, that's when everything started basically. Yeah, no, it's interesting because obviously you'd kind of been aware of of tennis and been you know been a fan of tennis for longer but never really occurred to like you, you weren't yeah. really aware of wheelchair tennis is it was that not so much no hard? no i was not definitely not aware of wheelchair tennis i was aware of tennis obviously in the, the like the the agassi sampras federer you know that type of uh, aspect but i remember trying to play as a kid and i always sat on the ground 
which is really like um, strange. And because um, I was terrible at tennis, obviously, because I couldn't move, obviously, like, yeah. when I, like especially on, on those courts, um, a lot of them were tarmac. So you get wrecked trying to dive around mm. the place. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was, it was really weird. And I don't know, I keep, I keep asking myself that question, why I never put two and two together and say, why don't I try tennis in a chair? But it literally, I mean, I have a picture, there's a picture on, on, on my website of me serving at the, I think it was about seven. Um, and I'm sitting on the ground serving. And uh, it was just bizarre, like. Uh, but no, I, I the, the first introduction to actual wheelchair tennis was um, was when my friend, who was Canadian, who had had that exposure to, you know, obviously in America, because wheelchair tennis kind of kicked off there with Brad Parks in 1976. So that's when the sport. So it, it's quite mature at this stage. Um, so yeah, it was like obviously, but you know, it's not a regret, but it's it's a. a, a <laughs> It's a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you did obviously eventually get to, to tennis at, at kind of in, in your late 20s. And yeah. how quick did it take for you to realise that yeah, this is, it was as a sport that you were particularly good at and kind of start maybe c- competing and, and training a bit more? Um, yeah, it became kind of apparent straight away because I fell in love with it immediately because I did really like racket sports. Um, but it was always limiting because I was always sitting on the ground. So, you know, that that's, that's mainly why they didn't go anywhere. Um, because obviously if you play baseball or cricket or rounders, you have to run like, um, so I couldn't, so I, I did, had this thing where we just adapted it, but, um, yeah, I just left, kept staying, I stayed at Carrick Mines, uh, like religiously went every week. Um, and then this whole new world just opened up. It was like, I found out about the Irish Open that was, that was, uh, uh, was on I, I think I'm not can't remember if that was like when it started or actually you know it had already been going um, and then I found out about the Belfast Open which was like another sort of like not uh, international but um, a kind of a national tournament uh, so this whole new world opened up um, when I started VHR Tennis and it was like you know I, there didn't have to be a team there didn't have to be like I could do this all on my own as in you were you know the team didn't have to qualify and stuff so you, you were free to go um and yeah I, I i i had a lot of chair skills from basketball so um that transferred really really well uh into tennis because chair skills is obviously a big big factor like movements um and then um then i joined i started looking for hard courts um to play and westwood was the first uh place i found them apart from carrick mines and i started playing there um and yeah like my friends who were from canada literally we used to train every week um, and we, well, I went through this pattern of like kind of training up to the Irish Open, which was in the summer and the Belfast Open, and then sort of petering off then uh, into, into winter and then picking it back up again, uh, sort of like in spring. So that's that, that's the kind of way it went for a couple of years, and even though I, I loved it. Um, I, I, that's just the way it went. And as it progressed, then I start getting exposed to the ITF, the world tour, um, and then then things start getting like uh, really interesting. So, yeah, so like, uh, at, at what point was it that you kind of made the move from playing those couple of national events each year to think about, you know, can I do keep going throughout the year and start playing some some international ones? How, how did that kind of switch happen for you? Well, I had gone to the British Open in a, a year later in two thousand nine, which is a big tournament. It's like it's an ITF, it's a super series, so it's it's like it's the next level to a slam. So it, it has some, like, I remember uh, arranging it and uh, I was terrified, like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, 
So I, and I, I remember getting uh, picked up at the airport and I was in a lease chair. It was like a, it was like your standard sports wheelchair, uh, tennis wheelchair, but it was very basic. Like, so, um, so I felt like very, uh, like novice, <laughs> um, which I was obviously, uh, but I remember getting into the players area in British Open and within the space of about five minutes, I saw Shingo Kanita, who was the world number one, and Esther Vajira, which is in the women's world number one. And I just wanted to go home. I was like, this, this is too big like for me. So I think I was playing division C. So it was like down at the bottom, but I, I loved it at the same time as being terrified it was like you know being dumped in at the deep end so i did that and then i came back and i had said yeah i'll go training and i can't remember exactly why but I, maybe i was procrastinating a lot about competing again um but it wasn't until london 2012 that really changed everything because i was still playing tennis but i wasn't actually committing to it so um i was kind of like sitting on the fence basically and then being you know afraid of losing afraid of winning kind of thing you know i was like didn't want to go all in yeah. did, so i was yeah. kind of conflicted um which i'm sure like loads of people have that that, that you know the same feeling like but um yeah so i i volunteered at um for Paralympics Ireland for um, in London 2012 when I was communications manager for all the web and social results. So I wasn't competing obviously, but I was I was at it and I had a media pass and it let me see, it let me go to like everywhere. Um, and that pretty much turned my life upside down because that kind of gave me a slap in the face and said, you're, you're literally wasting time by not deciding. Yeah. That, you know, not to go for the thing you really want to go for, um, which is tennis, which is compete, like and see, compete on the world tour and see how far I could, see how good I could get, and and, and the ultimate, which was to play at a, a was to represent Ireland at Paralympics. Like, um, so when I came back from London, uh, that's when my life turned upside down. I decided, right, that's it, um, and everything just snowballed from that. So I literally went on the, my first tour match was in. The winter just uh 2013 um yeah it was in prague and yeah that was it that opened up another that was another like just world another sort of like because i was a that was a lower tournament so i wasn't confronted with all these like top 10 players um you know it was a little bit easier for them not by much but uh yeah so that that i just went on from there so yeah, so so can, can you kind of just describe a little bit those next few years? So that's 2013, I guess by 2016, you have your career high of you know, about around 83 in the world. So you're up in that yeah. top 100. So how did it, those few years when you, I guess, competed a lot more and started to have, have a good bit more success as well? They're a bit of a blur, to be honest, because they were the beginning years, I guess. So like I was trying to figure out what I had to do to... To, to play wheelchair tennis and I didn't have any expertise. I only had, I had able-bodied expertise. Like my first coach was Justin Clark um, from West. He was in Westwood at the time. He's an Australian player, but he was uh, formerly of Nace as well. So um, and Justin's a really good friend and he gave me an, an awful lot of time um, with starting at half six to try and work around a full-time job, you know, a training. And so he was amazing. And um I still obviously had Carrick Minds as well, the, the sessions that were, you know, going on um, every like during the summer months. But the, the problem was that like, I was obviously uh, starting. Um, so 
I didn't have any wheelchair expertise. So I, I spent an awful lot of time uh, training and stuff. Um, and money was another problem. So I was paying for all this myself. So full-time job and then tried to go to tournaments um, as much as I could. But obviously that, that has an impact. That has a, a ceiling, like, you know. So one part of it was um, in 2014, um, I had my, myself and my, like, my now wife, but she was my girlfriend at the time, um, we went to Portugal on a holiday in the summer of 2013, and um, we met a, a coach in Portugal. I was looking for, we went on a kind of a, I brought my tennis chair and we were playing tennis and stuff, and we met a coach, and long story short, he offered, gave us an opportunity to come and go live in Portugal for um, a few months and, and do sort of like an extended training thing. Um, so that that would be, I guess, the point where, things got real serious like um so we spent six months unfortunately it didn't work out with the coach you know differences and stuff so we stayed there and i got to travel all over portugal visiting their national um tournaments which is amazing and they invited me to come play you know um and from then on then that i would say that was the real start of my my campaign because i started really learning a bit more about wheelchair tennis from wheelchair tennis players yeah um, yeah you know yeah. so um, that was the big thing. And even then, I still didn't know exactly what was going on because everyone was trying to kind of do their own thing and trying to figure it out and stuff. So, so yeah. And then Rio was obviously 2014 into 2015. Um, that I had to do a fundraiser um, to start trying to get tournaments. So that was a big sort of ramp up of, um, of tournament activity. So it was obviously ranking points for, for qualification. And I kind of knew that I... I so at that time, the top 40 was the qualification mark for, for Paralympics. And I knew like I didn't have enough time to, to qualify naturally from where I was uh, in my career. Like, um, So I was hoping to get as high as I could and then apply again, maybe qualify by a wild card, um, which obviously I didn't want to do it that way, but that was the, the only kind of like opportunity I had at the time. So uh, that was leading up into my... So I think I did like... Um, maybe 11 to 15 tournaments from 2015 into the qualification of 2016. Yeah. And I got my career high, it was 83. So, um, which I was pretty happy with, like, cause I, like uh, at the time, like I'm looking back as I'm hindsight's a great thing, you know, you know, I, I was doing okay for the tennis I was playing. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so obviously I didn't get to qualify. I didn't get the wild card, unfortunately, but um, uh, yeah. Like, and then I took after that, like, um, I took a break to get married and stuff. So um, yeah, this is now the next. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, because you hear that kind of top hundred is kind of this elusive thing. So for you to be yeah. uh, being top hundred now, you're, I know, I know you're, you're back there now. So it's kind of amazing that you're, you're there. So and that, that's great. Um, and, and so you mentioned obviously just the point of in Ireland, not having much wheelchair tennis kind of expertise. And then you got some in, in Portugal, I guess you know, two questions is, is that similar now? Is it a little bit better? And how could that be improved even more for, of Irish it's, get, it's getting an awful lot better obviously um like um the, the the it's not a problem but like all the coaches i've ever worked with have always tried their best to help me and, and figure out because it's always been a figuring out process and i've sometimes harmed this or and helped it as well by not knowing either so like you know you can go off on a direction and i mean i remember doing it spending hours on specific stuff that wasn't helping but we obviously you don't know that at the time so the only thing is to do it and then 
figure figure out it's not working and then you try you're trying to try something else but i guess like um the quicker way to do it is always to have wheelchair tennis players multiples that you can see patterns emerging from and then work you know you can pick coaches can pick out stuff but obviously with me it's different and then they never got to see me playing against wheelchair players so um that like there was there's obviously guys in the north obviously um like Iber and Stafford and stuff and they were great but there was traveling up to them I, I was having to travel yeah two hours just for a training session so it became I and mean, we did look and do all try all that kind of stuff and uh it just became you know for an hour and a half two hours it, it was just like it became very very draining you know to, to do that driving and stuff so um so it was kind of like so now obviously I'm working with uh Stuart Wilkinson um who's the former um, tennis foundation slash LTA coach, and Stuart has got twenty years experience of wheelchair um, tennis, and he's produced Alfie Hewitt and the whole range of other players that are all like either top ten or top twenty uh, Grand Slam winning, Paralympic winning coaches, so or uh, players. So the difference when I went to him was stark about what to do versus what i was doing um and that might sound sort of um kind of like a bit confusing when it went from from an able-bodied perspective because you know but in a chair obviously you're trying to um you're trying to move an object that doesn't is not as controllable as your legs so um that means then you have to adapt a pattern to that a movement pattern to account for things that happen in a match like and um, to give yourself time to recover um so i would say i always used to play on a horizontal which means left to right um where wheelchair tennis is predominantly played vertically in and out okay. of the courts okay so you come into the court you turn in and you're back out again and that might seem counterintuitive to, to coaches and it has done say why what, aren't you looking to take the ball early to take more time away but you don't get that opportunity a lot of times you have to work for it and that's what this game is this pattern is is working for that that short ball or that ball you can take on the rise or early um it's not as simple as as an able-bodied player hitting what you know serve return and then your next ball you're looking to take it early because you don't know what happens in wheelchair tennis like it can be unpredictable it can be you know and then you have better, really good players that know exactly you're doing, trying to do the same thing you're doing. So, um, so thankfully, I'm working with Ron Cher Cherry as well now in Elm Park. Mm. There's obviously Alan in uh, Greystones and Mark Bullock, who's obviously um, Stuart's colleague in LTA or XLTA, um, has been over a few times. So there's definitely an education has a piece going on with coaches and the, the fact that i'm seeing more and more players is, is amazing because that means that it's going to be this continuation of, of wheelchair tennis in ireland so it's a, at the moment it's in like and that's all thanks to enjoy tennis like um you know they've done an amazing job of actually getting it's taken time but um getting wheelchair tennis in and now it's now it's it's, it's got that foothold i was hoping that it would get you know and it's staying there it's not it's not just disappearing you know it's, it's not just going for two years and then it yeah. flops it's, yeah it's, it's, yeah it's, it's consistent so it's amazing to see yeah no and i think it is definitely great and i think you have to recognize that you know there's definitely a role that you're playing there that those juniors can see so an irish player who's <laughs> yeah who's who's done it and then, uh, you know, i guess that wasn't really there for you and you know, that that's you know that's important for people to see <laughs> 
Oh well, yeah, thanks. And and look, like that's all part of the package. Like it's that's what you know. I'm sure is is the the, the you know the circle in in a in, in Irish tennis and in able body tennis, which is like you have players that are going on the world tour, and then juniors want to be like them, and then those players come back then when they've finished and try and help out a bit with with you know the the upcoming juniors to give advice to or play against or become coaches or whatever. Um. So yeah, like the. That that was kind of a bit of a help, the fact that I didn't have it because that that gave me an awful lot of drive mm. to 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 do it. Like, um, I mean, Justin has always had always said to me, um, "You're going to be the trailblazer. You're going to be the one that has to like put up with all the the stuff that's not there, um, in order to make it. And then you make it, but you also create a pathway for, um." all juniors or you know or even adults who have come into like this is the thing with wheelchair standards it's not just you don't have to play the world tour you know um it it's a really great sport just to get people like yourself you've seen what it's like when you see kids improving even though they may not want to play um international or whatever but from from a disability perspective it's like they're their um their independence increases their you know their function increases they're they're getting exercise having fun they're with their peers you know it's the same it's sport like you know no absolutely and just for anyone that that, that, this is kind of a session that we have out in greystones um a bunch of juniors and and gareth has been out with us a bunch of times and kind of the kids who got to see him so that's kind of what's going on there and it is it really is amazing um well guys just to hop back into to your journey a little bit so kind of you mentioned you had a bit bit of a, a break when you got married and then i guess there's been a bit of a break with COVID as well. So when you got back into it, was, was that were you always planning to come back, or were there kind of doubts at some point that you you kind of commit no, fully no. again? No, I, I knew I was always going to come back. It was like the the um, I, I didn't kind of leave or retire or anything like that. It was just I had done enough after Rio, um, and then Tokyo kind of came around, and I didn't have the money, uh, and I. Oh, I'm still playing tennis and I was doing some tournaments, but um, the, the effort it takes to, to go fundraise and all that kind of stuff, I'd learned like my lesson from doing it before that it's just, it's just trying to do it all yourself. It's like, it's a killer. Like it, if you're trying to train and hold down a job as well. Like um, it was, it was a nightmare, honestly, it was really, really tough. And even though I had like loads of, lots of people helping me and like, they were amazing, but it was still me at the center of it, trying to do everything, you know, um, I was responsible for it all that so are trying to you know manage it um so i did take a break in tokyo and i was kind of looking at tokyo and like will i or won't i and, and um i just at the time i was happy just i just got married and then it was too late to go into tokyo qualification and um, it would have been another frantic sort of like um push so i was just happy doing some like return events and um you know gone seeing people i knew and friends and stuff so um and then tokyo was like uh, i just didn't have have the time or the uh, um, the energy to, to go fundraise so i said okay after tokyo I'll, um and then COVID hit obviously uh, which put a big massive damper on everything um so uh, i was lucky enough to be um on the like team island program um from tennis island so that was a big big massive um change in what i'd previously had because to be honest like um I, i'd never gotten very much recognition or any support so but this was a massive change you know even just the recognition alone to be on a team on program was was like a lot um so now that there's funding available based on rank that's what 
that's been an extra massive help. And um, so thank like Dennis and we've done a really great job to start this process of, of you know funding players. Um and obviously they're juniors, like you can see it on tennis island. It's great. it's amazing to see all the, the the exposure those juniors are getting to travel and stuff. So yeah, so I, I after I was lucky enough to be able to train a bit during COVID because of the team island status. So um, but my first I went back in twenty um was it twenty one twenty twenty one um in September that was my first tour match in nearly two years um and it was very obvious i went out first rounds both both tournaments um not badly but like the tour had changed everyone had gotten better and the level had gone up and now it was harder to um to just even get first rounds like i mean it it wasn't easy before but like this was just it was different so yeah yeah so uh so yeah i just started off from there um and it was really hard because like I haven't not played any wheelchair players and not had any match practice or any any match exposure. Um it just it's you just have to get back into tournament mode. Um again, you know, it it's not you can do as much training as you want, but matches are even practice sets are still not the same. It's it's playing actual tournaments that that gets you that kind of like match fitness, like that you're not you're not um you're not phased going into a tournament, you know. For me, yeah. it was like tournament, big gap, and it was nearly repeating itself over again. It was like going to a first tournament all over again. So, um, so yeah. Since then, um, I've been doing steady tournaments, um, as much as I could through the kind of like end of the lockdowns. Um, but obviously this this year has been amazing. I've done um, I've done ten through so far, um, and then recently in um in Switzerland, I had my first world tour title, single title win. Which is unbelievable. Like I, I, I never knew when yeah. that was yeah. going to happen, but um, it's thanks to the work of I, like my my coaching chains in September or in October, um, and literally it's it's been that that's because we now know I now know what I'm doing. I have people who have produced who have a have a you know a found fundamentals to to train on like that are saying these fundamentals will give you provide an answer in matches so and that, that's literally what's been happening and uh, yeah so yeah so you had that so obviously the last year you've been kind of competing consistently which is which yeah. is great and you had that title as you said which is which is amazing because I, I was watching the scores and stuff that week so so well done and i know you had a great yeah, one thanks. in the doubles as well so that's great yeah, so i guess if true. you were to say say i guess ranking wise you're back up inside the top 100 again which is brilliant yeah. and i guess i know around that mark in doubles as well but so where are you at the moment what are your kind of plans for the rest of the year the next few months Kind of how, how do you feel about about where you are? Um, I'm pretty happy where I am right now. It, it, like my my whole goal, sort of tennis goals and and like direction has changed from like a results based pro, uh, results based thinking to process based thinking, and that's been another big change for me. And it's been a really hard change because I was very pro, uh, results based, like like. A lot of players probably um a majority of players are results based because then you ask well as soon as you play a match someone asks you what was the score and that 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 determines how well you did but yeah. um those type it's not that it's wrong it's just when you think that way you put yourself under an awful lot of pressure so that means if you're not winning if you're not like in quote unquote winning then you're doing bad 
mm. even though the player might be way better than you or you might be playing your best or or are you doing the things you're supposed to be doing so it takes you very much away it can take you away from that that process so unless you master the process first i think um or at least get really good at it you, it, it, it's very harmful to think about the score and look even I'm, I'm still struggling with this because it's very it's it's incredibly hard to ignore the score or try to ignore the score and just you know control the things you can control so i'm pretty happy now like the first title was just like i honestly did not think that was going to happen um until much later but um it just happened and then it, it's given me an awful lot of confidence now to to believe in, in what i'm doing so now it feels like yes i'm, I'm on the right track and um, i just have to keep doing the same things that i've been doing and try and make it uh, consistent in matches so i'm not like having ups and two big ups and downs um and then I'm, I'm sitting at i think i'm 92 at the minute um so uh yeah uh, the next three months are pretty packed with the end of season tournaments so i have um maybe five left that i'd okay. like to do um before the end of the year and then i can take um not too nice a break but uh at least tournament break but it, it it's then it'll be back into um february probably starting in the uk sure. and then next year will actually be even worse it'll be busier again because 2023 is the last is the full year i have going into 2024 so my qualification cutoff date is um is the end of may uh, 2024 for paris so whatever rank i am on that date that's my qualification rank so they've now reduced the spots so it's now the top 32 in the world okay so i, I was hoping it would, i was hoping it would go the other way but it's gone, it's gone the wrong way no no <laughs> okay okay now i don't know what the uh, i can't comment on what why what what the rationale is um there's, there's lots of speculation out there but um the wild cards have gone up but I, I obviously i don't want to qualify by wild card i want to qualify naturally and i look i, I don't think i think i it's it's 100 possible i'm 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 geared for top 30 that was my goal before we even knew about the the, the reduction in numbers so um so yeah like i'm i'm really happy with where i am i'm, I'm like for the first time i'm i'm not agitated that i'm not there yet which is like yeah. patience so that that's the one thing i've had to learn um because that feeds into an awful lot of um mistakes and rush things and you know even even on a small level playing points on court it's like rushing you know it's so i'm, I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm happy where i am and on the progression that i'm making so brilliant yeah brilliant and just a couple more questions gareth um firstly kind of to go back just kind of to, to looking at wheelchair tennis in general um if you could maybe talk i know you kind of mentioned struggles and stuff that you've had in over the years how do you see the state of kind of wheelchair tennis now in ireland and what you might like to see see change in over the next few years yeah i think wheelchair tennis is in a really really great place right now it's at it's at the kind of uh it's at the very start again i mean it unfortunately it was in a good place a few a good few years ago um when we had the irish open running and the belfast open and stuff and it kind of unfortunately fell by the wayside um for whatever reason like just this just just happened um so now there's i'm really happy with the way things are looking now because it, it's at the very beginning right so we don't have um you know there's there's groups happening and there's that development process where people are figuring out whether they 
want to play wheelchair tennis or whether they can or you know so there's the participation model is one thing which is great which is getting people out playing and hitting um and then what i'm hoping to see is what what kind of did happen in the uk because the tennis foundation which is gone now which is kind of that that was absolved uh, incorporated into the lca so they started very similar way they started off with participation and then they got the obviously groups around the country and what that developed into was uh, obviously people still playing participation but people would go off on their own and start making their own groups and playing together um in different areas so they like whether that's going to their local club and playing or whether it's forming groups or other players um even just for recreational and then there was also other players that that went wanted to compete, compete internationally so um i think that would that's a natural progression in, you know, and obviously, if if enjoy tennis, um, I guess the you could. What I'd love to see happen is the, a national league or a national tournament series or something like that. Or even if it was an end of year thing, so everyone could come together and play. Like people would be able to play better players and see that that's how to, that's how sport develops. It's not you know just groups happening and that's great, but everyone needs to come together and like have a um what would you say like a like a national day or um you know a coaching day or a participation day whatever it is and i think the development of that just happens by itself once you start doing those type of things then all sorts of good stuff starts happening you know coaches get together they start talking to each other they exchange ideas you know um, and then if we can get more um expertise in like from LTA, then we start we start off at a much better place instead of having to figure all this stuff out ourselves when we don't need to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can see players coming from Ireland playing on the World Tour because it's it's so accessible at, at, in terms of like you can choose to play. And yes, it is traveling and there is cost and there is all that kind of stuff, but it, it's definitely doable. There's there's ways around you know there's ways around everything. And the more people people on tour, the more they inspire more yeah, juniors and more, more people so i mean look apart from all of that even from like um independence and like obviously i'm talking a lot about juniors but the, this is also open to anyone with a physical disability so even players that are like or, sorry even people who have say acquired injuries or you know we're playing tennis and they can't play tennis because of whatever if they've damaged their knee or you know that's all that happens all the time in, in, in the UK. If you if people who have had amputations and they're playing wheelchair tennis, and it just opens up multiple doors for people like on so many levels, like from fitness and, and enjoyment and then social and then um and then like um yeah, I mean I've seen that happen. People take up wheelchair tennis from an accident and, and then they're playing the world tour. So yeah. I mean yeah, and then the games like me started late in their life or later in their life like it doesn't have you don't have to play tennis to enjoy it to you know to start off as a junior or have a junior career um but um yeah like there's just it, it it creates so much like so that's what i'd love to see yeah no absolutely and there's a quick one is there an irish open at the moment no no um like i did hear i know before covid there was maybe talk of, of um maybe Ireland hosting an ITF for futures, which would be a great way to to kickstart even more interest because obviously VI have done this. Um visually impaired tenants have done the same thing. They've brought the world's um 
the World Championships, I think, to Shankill Tennis Club. And that was like Liam O'Donoghue, which um who's helped me enormously as well. Um uh yeah, and that's obviously you, you've seen the impact, like there's an awful lot of VI players playing there. Um so yeah, look, who knows? Um that again, that national tournament would be amazing yeah, to get yeah, yeah. Like, even for juniors to attend that, like would be would be awesome. Like that's that's what they want. I mean. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen with the, the some juniors in in um, in Greystones that are just like want to compete so much because you know they're, they're doing this training and then they want to play each other, you know. So exactly, and I think it's just worth quickly mentioning kind of wheel to tennis in general, kind of more worldwide. And and I see you mentioned earlier when when you were younger, you would have been very very aware of tennis and a fan of tennis, but not so much wheel to tennis. But I'd like to think maybe now that would be. A bit different that it is especially in the grand slams and on a much bigger stage and it gets some of those bigger courts for for the big matches so uh, how do you see wheelchair tennis kind of in the world at the moment yeah it, it it's going from next level to next level it really is like i mean i did not think they would that wimbledon would give like say lpq at uh court number one wasn't it um, for his semi-final, like, and, and and then US, then what's what's going to happen there? They like US Open then uh, increases the draw size to sixteen. So uh, for for people who don't know, the Grand Slams are currently um, set to the top eight, um, which is really top six and two wild cards or one wild card sometimes. So it's a very it, it's very extremely hard to get into the Grand Slam uh, level, like which. To be honest, it kind of keeps you in a grand slam. It keeps you in the top ten, getting that mental point. So um, now it's opening up. U.S. Open is now top uh, top sixteen, and they are they're also hosting for the first time. Um, I know some junior players in the U.K. are getting to because of their rank in their junior um, tour. They're going to make history by playing their first junior um, tournament at a grand slam. So that's another thing that like you would not I would not have seen happen um I did not think that was going to happen this soon so yeah it, it's 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 getting more I mean the many people that say to me now uh, I, I was watching Wimbledon I was watching wheelchair tennis something and that that's that's amazing because they're watching it like so it's becoming mainstream um which is what what we all want like it's it's like it's to have its place um alongside um able-bodied grand slams it's it's happening in tournaments that are like um there's there's atp tournaments that are now having wheelchair um events alongside um that's another model that they're trying to propagate which means that um the the wheelchair tour gets the benefits of what the atp offer which is like you know all the perks from from the atp tour which all that money provides uh which is which is not necessarily a wheelchair tennis at the minute but in saying that as well like Grand uh, prize money is is increasing. It's becoming look look like like it, it has the same problems as as the the ATP tour and the WTA, which means that the top get the the most and yeah, yeah. the the rest of I have to fight for you know so that that unfortunately I, there's no easy I don't think there's a there's an easy solution to that no matter what you do but um, you can make it better but I mean even futures level is now increasing in prize money so um, so yeah it's 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 getting a lot better thankfully that's oh, it's great to hear and and yeah if, if anyone who's listening hasn't hasn't seen we Ultimate tennis before i mean absolutely you should just go on youtube and, and look up some points because it really is amazing to watch and that's why it's getting more popular because it's you know it, it is amazing to watch it's 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 brilliant 
yeah, it's a it's a pretty tough sport to play. Like I mean, I didn't make it easy for myself picking a um, you know <laughs> an individual sport and then on top of that, like a hard sport like tennis and then playing in front of chairs. So it it's look, look I, I don't know what it's like to play able body tennis, but um it, it miniature tennis is tough and it, it it's the same frustrations are there when when you play like it, you know letting go of mistakes, missing, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's the same. It's, it's just from a chair. So, um, but yeah, look, there's tons of footage on Prime has um, an awful lot of matches from the US Open. And um, yeah, YouTube has Paralympic matches. There's, there's, there's hours and hours and hours of it there. So yeah, look, go have a look. Um, obviously, video slows. Video is never the same seen a match like i'm sure i don't know i've never seen a live atp match unfortunately um yet um so me watching on on tv the, the being there in real life is obviously a, a massive yeah. difference right so the same is true in wheelchair tennis it's faster it's stronger it's it, it's it's everything it's amplified when you're there so yeah no, absolutely. Um, now, now, Gareth, uh, like it's been, it's been absolutely amazing just to have this chat and hear about your story and just kind of free to tennis in general. Um, and obviously, I just, just, just want to wish you the very best for the rest of the year and going on and, and towards Paris and all that. But just before we finish up, if I could just ask, what's your, your favourite thing about tennis? Oh. <laughs> um, There's probably a weird answer, but um, I would have said... My favorite thing about wheelchair tennis is kind of like our, our tennis is is getting lost in it, um, as in getting into that flow state, which I, I've never um, uh, I've never gotten before in other sports, um, where you know you you get into a a, a, um, a frame of mind where nothing else matters and everything is like just happening and and you know there's you're just hitting and there's there's no worries or like you know you're just doing what, what what's happening right there and stuff like that um i guess that would be one of my favorite things but that's very sort of like you know i don't know <laughs> hard to explain um the other thing is uh, sorry to add two things but of course yeah. um uh the other thing is that it's it's taught me a huge amount about myself so it's kind of like um it's forced me to accept myself um it's kind of like uh, I, I heard it, I can't even claim it as my own, but um, it's, it's tend to me, tennis is like holding up a mirror. At, uh, so you're, you're not trying to, you beat your opponent, you're, you're kind of, you're, most of the time you're trying to beat yourself um, until you, until you let go and accept all the, all the flaws, all the stuff you have. Um, and then, then you can kind of let go and play. Um, so that's what kind of and, and it, it, try, it, it goes into your everyday life as well so it's taught me a, a massive amount about not tying self-worth up with the results of a match that type of thing you know where tennis is, a, is an amazing sport but you're not a you're not a lesser person for losing and you're not a better person for winning you're just just yeah. that's just where the game went so yeah, yeah. I guess that's, that would be that would be my <laughs> that's great that's a, great... a deeper version of yeah. that's okay <laughs> no, that's, that's a great answer that's brilliant that's really good um now gareth as i said huge thanks for coming on and sharing your story and, and giving up the the time for this um i, I know you're off to training soon so I'll, I'll i'll let you go and uh enjoy that and yeah big thanks again and and and, and just the very best of luck for for the future no problem thank you very much for having me once again, a big thanks to Gareth for his time and coming on this episode and sharing his story with us. I think you'll agree it's, it's a really amazing story. I'm definitely uh, going to be following Gareth's progress with interest and, and wish him the very, very best uh, over the next couple of years as he gears up to Paris. 
And I think that anyone who's listened to this episode will also uh, be following Gareth's progress with interest and, and be very much behind uh, Gareth's tennis journey. Um, thanks to you also for listening to this episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider sharing it, uh, following, li- liking uh, the episode and sharing it with anybody that you think might also enjoy it. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Until next time, I've been Adam and goodbye.